We are in a series, FC Fearless. We are learning how to be fearless people. How many of you, since we started this series, have already had some circumstances that have challenged you as to whether you're going to be fearless or not? Uh, I appreciated Joe Papkin last night when we shared that we were canceling early service. Uh, just because of all the ice, we would do the one service at 11. And he commented, FC Fearless, scared of a little snow, canceled the first service. So, wow, all right? <laughs> so, uh, fantastic. We love the sarcasm. It's, it's, it's our love language around Faith Chapel. So, um, I was on the way in today noticing that Cracker Barrel's parking lot was full. Denny's was full. Egg and I was full. And I looked over at Sophia and I'm like, Wow, it's amazing how many churches canceled today, and yet look at all this. And she said, face it, Dad, it's just an excuse for people. She goes, it's an excuse. And she said, when I'm older, I'm going to take advantage of that excuse. I'm like, train up a child in the way she should go. It's probably because she hurt her mom this morning. You know what I mean? If I wasn't the pastor's wife, there's no way in Hades I would be going to church today. So, uh, so, maybe, maybe, so you're discipling our children, and I appreciate that. So... So we're on this series about being fearless people, and we canceled for snow. And I get it. I get it. Um, have you ever heard of the verse? First, I think it's in First John four eighteen. Uh, maybe I'm close. It says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. If you were brought up in my house, there's an amen to that. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And I've had a hard time with this verse because I never think of myself as perfect. Now, I know my wife and children think of me that way, but I've personally never thought of my... And so when I read, I'm like, I am so not perfect. There are so many issues. Anybody else with at least enough humility to admit that when you look in the mirror, sometimes you're like, well, I've got a long way to go. Anybody else willing to admit that when you look in the mirror, sometimes you're like, dear Lord, what happened? Okay, so there's a couple of things that take place over time. It's hard to believe I used to model for Calvin Klein. You know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes... Yeah, most of the, the cologne commercials, swimming. So, all right, so there is no fear in love. And honestly, don't you hate it when people swim in cologne? To be honest, that's quite the overwhelming sensation when they walk into a room. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears isn't made perfect. We really need to understand that when we're talking about being made perfect, it doesn't mean that you get everything right. It means that you've been made perfectly right with God. Doesn't scripture teach you that the day that you accepted Christ as your king, that old things passed away and all things became new? Literally, you became a new creation. I've shared with you before, the Greek word struggles there, new creation. The, the writer struggled, how do we convey this message? And they kind of use this word that would refer to a hybrid. And if you know my love for the study of Nephilim, you know that I would love that anyway but that you're kind of earthly, but you're spiritual. You're like this new heavenly, earthly kind of person that God made you to be. It's amazing. So it, it, what we really need to understand here is this means that you've made perfect and right relationship with God. You might still say some things wrong, have a bad attitude, because your, your soul, your mind, your will and emotions, you've developed some habits over the years, right, that sometimes it takes time to break. And when you give your life to Christ, I think one of the things that religious people do, and we have to be careful of, some of the things that, that I would say they're not good for us, um, the church I grew up in, they would say they weren't godly things to do, like smoking. That is so not godly, right? 
And our, our, the pastor, when I was growing up in church, he's like, I really wonder if people have been saved if they smoke. And then my parents left the legalistic church and went to one that wasn't quite as legalistic. And the pastor said, well, if you smoke, you're not going to hell, but you smell like hell. And, you know, and, so we're, and, and yet he was willing to have three pieces of chocolate cake every time he sat down. Okay? You're like, hey, it's hard to get called out on gluttony because Christians love it. Can I get an amen? Okay? So I think sometimes when we, we've developed habits, and the problem is when somebody gives their life to Christ, we want them instantly to clean up all the habits. And the Lord says, hey, be as patient with them as I am with you. Do you ever have a moment where the Lord shows you something about yourself and you're like, wow, didn't see that? And then a friend or your wife or your husband's like, I've seen that for 20 years. And you just saw it? <laughs> Catch up, buddy, all right? You're on the sanctification GED program is what's going on around here. You need to speed up a little bit. But while you were on the GED program, the Lord was patient with you. He's patient with you. So why would you be less patient with someone else? So I look at this, and I think it's reminding me there's no fear in love because even though I'm stealing, still dealing with emotion and mind and will stuff, I've been made perfect. And I'm not afraid of punishment anymore. I've been reconciled. I've been brought with him. So there is no fear in love. The Greek word for love here is agape, self-sacrificing, the kind of love that God gave us, okay? He doesn't want you to live in fear. He wants you to walk in freedom. Now, with that said, um, Pastor Beth preached the first week of this series and just hit it out of the ballpark, and then I came in last week and hit a single. And so it, I realized it was a letdown. That's the way that it works sometimes. But I want to, um, I had a whole refresh thing that we don't have time for, so I just want to give you a little summary and transition because there's some things that you need today, and you came down here and you braved the blizzard, and I want you to have it, okay? Um, last week, for those of you that weren't here and those of you that were, and how many last Sunday feels like five years ago anyway? And anybody, you ever look up, you're like, when was Friday? It's only Sunday, but what, like Friday was like a month and a half ago. Um, last week we talked about in Numbers 13, the Israelites were getting ready to take the promised land because God said, I've given it to you, go get it. God's giving them a gift, and they're like, no, we can't. And they freak out about a gift that God's giving them. And because they partnered with fear, there were consequences. Every person that was 20 years old or more that, were, that was counted in the center, every one of them died in the wilderness, and the next generation took the land, okay? So they didn't take it, but their children did 40 years later. Now let me remind you, that spirit of fear was still kind of trying to permeate the culture because Joshua, as he was leading the next generation, they said to him in Joshua 1.9, don't be terrified, don't be discouraged, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. They knew our previous leaders gave in to fear and we paid the price for it, so we're calling faith out in you, buddy. Don't be terrified, don't be discouraged, God will be with you. Notice that. Don't be terrified, God is with you. Don't be discouraged, God is with you. As we've studied this series on fear to together, I can't tell you how many times in Scripture, it, I read 640 verses this week dealing with fear. I can't tell you how many times the simple answer, I know this seems crazy, but the simple answer to overcoming fear is walking with an awareness of His presence. If you really were aware 
that God was in you and with you in every moment you wouldn't be fearful. It's that simple. Now, we've turned it into a five-week series. But honestly, I could just share with you, that with you. We could collect an offering and go to Cracker Barrel with all the other people down there, okay? But if we really would get this. Now, I know we have a hard time getting this because um, in Hebrews 13, I believe it's verse 5, and we don't have this on the screen. This is a freebie. Um, in Hebrews 13, 5, it said, Jesus said, quote, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, that's reassuring when Jesus says, I'll never will leave you, never will I forsake you. But in the original Greek, just for fun, did you know there are five negatives in that phrase? It's horrible English, but if you literally translated it the way that it's written, it would say this, Jesus said, I will never not leave you and never not know forsake you. Jesus said, I will never not leave you. I will never not know forsake you. What is he doing? He is trying to convey to us, I am with you and I'm not going anywhere. I love you unconditionally. I am here for you and I am not removing my presence from you. I'm with you. Never not will I leave you. Never not know will I forsake you. It's not going to happen. Okay? So I'm going to skip my opening illustration because where did the time go today? Mary. At least it's a biblical name. At least it's a biblical name. Mary. No, okay, so look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 33. Glad I'm preaching next week. Numbers 14, verse 3. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years. We're transitioning from that. This is when they had been unfaithful. You're, you're going to be shepherds here for 40 years. Suffering. Don't you? Thanks, Mom and Dad, right? Suffering for your unfaithful. Ooh. Your unfaithfulness. God equates yielding to a spirit of fear as unfaithfulness. That's strong. He could have easily said, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years because you've given into fear. He could have said, your, shepherds will be, uh, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years because... You've not believed my promise to give you this land. Well, that's trust. That's faith. That's unfaithfulness. He just skipped right to it. They're going to suffer because you've been unfaithful. There are times that you will suffer because of unfaithfulness. But if we're saying that, that we want our children's basement to be our ceiling then my goodness, not only are these decisions that I'm making affecting me, they're affecting them and where God wants to launch them from. I want more for them. We're going to begin to just, let me, I'm going to have you jot these verses down. Let's go to the examples, David, if you don't mind. Let's drop down to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 24 and 26. If you want to take a picture of these verses so you can read them later, I'm not going to exegetically, hermeneutically, homiletically communicate all of them. Okay? And all God's people said, Thank you. It sounds like some sort of sickness or disease. Here's a simple background. Solomon was speaking to his sons. And it was actually, it wasn't even when he spoke to them, it wasn't in plural, so he must have had a favorite. So um, in, in Proverbs 3, he's speaking to his sons, and notice what he says. When you lie down, you'll not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear 
of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Pretty simple, isn't it? Son, when you lay down at night, you don't have to be afraid because the Lord's at your side. And what's going on out there isn't going to touch you here because the Lord is at your side. How many of you have ever had your child or maybe a younger brother or younger sister that battled the fear of the dark? And they, something they struggled with and it took a while. Maybe you even went in and laid down next to them for a while or sat in their room or laid on their floor because there was something about you being there that brought them comfort. And I, yeah, anybody go through that routine? I, I was afraid of the dark growing up. Now, part of the reason I saw demons in the house, and that'll kind of freak you out, but, and, and, and not just the ones that I lived with, but ones that actually popped in from time to time. But um, I, I was really afraid of the dark. I, I battled and had to overcome that fear up into high school. Can you imagine? And I'm, I'm, I'm just painting the picture. I'm not bragging because it doesn't matter. But I lettered in three sports and would go sleep upstairs because I was afraid. I mean, if the guys at school would have known that, right? Hey, there's the guy that caught the pass last week sneaking up to the couch because he's afraid to sleep in the basement. And it was a spirit of fear that was attacking my life. Um, and, and it presented some challenges, as you can imagine. And I'm telling you, the longer you let that live as a part of you, the more difficult it is to overcome. I remember being 16 years old downstairs. God, you've got to help me over. Because you can't necessarily say, Mom, could you come lay next to me? I mean, honestly, that just makes you want to throw up. You know what I'm saying? 16 years old, cuddled up with mommy in bed. Could you stroke my curls, mother? You, you just... But there is, there is. Oh, I used to have curls. I'm sorry. I saw you're like, what? I had hair. I know it's hard to believe. I, I used, it used to be there. It was flowing like Absalom. It was amazing. Anyway, um, there's something comforting about somebody being there. There, there is. Uh, Beth and I, this is weird. We'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean. But um, she's got this foot thing. This foot thing. We both think feet are disgusting. Even though I know God's word says, how beautiful are the feet of them that brings good news. I know that. Okay? And yet, there are times that, that, that when we go to sleep, I'll feel her foot just touch mine. She calls it life check. I tend to just kind of go into sleep paralysis. Any, any other people blessed with that ability to lay down and be asleep before you've actually quite pulled the... the yes, it's, it's a gift from heaven. Anybody else bitter that the rest of us have that gift from heaven? Okay, there are a few of you. We, it's a gift from heaven. And, and so Beth developed a habit very early in our marriage where she would just touch me with her feet and I would slap her. <laughs> I'm like, What? And she's like, I'm just making sure you're awake. <laughs> I'm obviously awake. And over the course of time, I've actually kind of got used to it now. And so I'll wake up and I'm like, where's the foot? And I'll bump her and then I'll feel the foot. I'm like, she's there. She loves me and we're both alive. Because <laughs> nothing worse than waking up next to a dead person. You know what I'm saying? Hey, baby, what you doing? Right, you know, that kind of ruined the day. And uh, so I was in, when I was in Ireland... And we'd text back and forth, and the text would end with the footprint. And then I would put the, foot, the phone on my... No, I... <laughs> that, now we're really getting creepy. There's, 
I, I've always wondered why old people that are married end up in twin beds. I actually, I mean, I'm like, I'm really used to her being there. And if she died tomorrow, I would have her taxidermied so that I could keep her close by, okay? Do you consider that odd? I mean, really? Do you consider... There is. It's not freaky, Angelina. Pastor Jake and I were talking about the same thing. Okay. Oh, you were telling them what taxidermy is. I, I under, Common core curriculum. All right, so. We're going to get through it. Okay. Now, I kind of like it when Vicky gets that going. It's kind of fun to hear it. It's kind of fun. When she gets there, I know it's officially time to move on. I know it's officially. So it's kind of a mean laugh, but the Lord says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's the dad in the room. He's the husband. He's the what? He's right there. He's with you. You, why would you fear when he's always there? Always. Never not leave you. Never know not forsake you. He's always going to be there. He is saying to us, if you will catch this revelation of my presence, you'll never yield to fear again. You'll never yield to fear. It's always easier to fight a fight when you've got a really big buddy with you. It's easier to face the enemy when you know that his presence is with you and in you. Look in uh, Psalm 23, 4. It's out of the, uh, the famous psalm about the Lord being our shepherd. But, and I hate the way the NIV does it, but we'll read it. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I kind of prefer the King James when it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And notice it's not death, it's a shadow, but shadows can be intimidating, Right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Once again, the legalistic church I grew up in, they, the pastor talked about a staff for unruly sheep to whack them over the head. I'm like, wow, that's really comforting. And if you study shepherds historically, they were gentle and they led their sheep. They were gentle and they led their sheep. I shared with you before, we all heard the story about the, sh the sheep that kept getting away and the shepherd out of love finally broke the sheep's leg and taught. Remember that story? Full of poop. Remember that whole thing? That was written by an American preacher in the 1940s with no historical evidence whatsoever. It was just a figment of his imagination. And we made the declaration over this house that God doesn't break our legs. God doesn't break our legs. We don't believe that. He doesn't break our legs. You know, he just, he woos us with woo. I was actually making fun of the word woo this week, and I made fun of it so much that it slipped out of, I am, I just repent before every one of you right now. By God's grace, I won't woo you again, okay? There's no room for woo in this house, but he calls out to you. He, he, he draws you in. He, woo, he, he brings you closer through his Holy Spirit. He doesn't break your leg. The rod and the staff they're comforting because you know that God can take down your enemy. 
And the rod and the staff mean any time that the wolf comes, when the bear comes, when the lion comes, you're not fighting for yourself, but you've got a shepherd that steps between you and danger and annihilates the evil one. Okay? That's the kind of God that we serve. Look in uh, Isaiah chapter 41. We'll go through these quickly. Do not fear. Why? For I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Some of you right now need to receive that as a prophetic word. Because some of you have accusations coming against you right now. And I declare over you, all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you'll not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, for I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob. Oh, that's comforting. Little Israel, do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I guess we do need a little context, or we wonder why he's calling us a worm. Actually, the nations that were oppressing them were saying, we're going to squish the worm Israel, and this little people will be destroyed. So he is quoting the words of their enemies in an assurance to them. He's really saying, you're no worm. You're no little Israel because you've got God with you, upholding your righteous, holding you with his righteous right hand. He's going to bring, they can say whatever they want to say about you, but it's not what they say, it's about what God says. And we need to start realizing in this house, it doesn't matter what they say. Don't call conspiracy what they call conspiracy. But relieve what the Lord, uh, receive what the Lord has spoken over each of our lives. Look in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. This is what I wanted to preach on today. Thank you for being attentive to the introduction. We'll see, we'll see if we can wrap this up. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. How many go, what on earth? A shoot's coming from the stump of Jesse. Now, and Jesse is a friend. Yeah, and you know he's been a good friend of mine. Okay? Lately, something's changed. Anyway. Anyway. I'm waiting for a couple of you to look around. What on earth is he talking about? So. Jesse was David's dad. And David was promised to always have a son serve as king. But at the time that Isaiah was prophesying, it looked like that lineage had been destroyed. Now, how many know that if God made a promise, that promise is always going to come true? But it looked like it was destroyed to the point that Isaiah was used by God to give the imagery of a tree that had been cut down. But how many know when the tree's cut down, the roots still go deep? Okay? And so he says, a shoot will come from that stump. There's still life. The promise is still good. And, and don't worry, I haven't failed. The Messiah's coming. He's going to come from the, from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He'll not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. Here's a prophetic word of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. 
that when he would come, the spirit of the Lord would rest on him. And it's a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and fear of the Lord, and counsel, and might. Okay? We get to see the prophetic fulfillment of this about 570 years later, if I remember correctly, or maybe it's 750. I've always been a little dyslexic with numbers. Look in the next verse. David, let's go ahead and put that up for him. Out of uh, Luke, I uh, yeah, chapter 3, verses 21 to 22. When all the people were being baptized, and this is what I'll end with today. Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit, this is the Spirit of the Lord, descended on him, this is wild, in bodily form like a dove. I already have a hard time grasping how Jesus put on flesh as a human. But now, take the Holy Spirit and have him put on feathers. You can't make this stuff up. Jesus put on flesh, the Holy Spirit put on a dove. Literally, I mean, it says, descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. The Father speaks. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. One of the things that we want to call out here is our identity. Jesus hadn't performed a miracle yet, but he was already loved. God was already proud of him just because he was his son. How many know we need to know who we are so that we can do what we're called to do? So he was affirming his identity. That was already taking place. And I, you know I really want you to get it when I move my hands like this over and over again. So this is, I don't know what it, I don't know if in sign language this means identity, but I seem to be doing it today, all right? So do you get it yet? I feel apish at this point. Is it time to move on, all right? So he called out his identity. I love him. This is my son. I'm well pleased. But scripture says, doesn't say it in the NIV, but it says it in the King James, that the Spirit remained on him. Now, I want to share an illustration that Bill Johnson has shared and just see if this clicks with your heart. I want you to think, Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water, and for whatever reason, we all know it's time for him to receive the Spirit, but for whatever reason, the Lord chose to reveal this as a dove came down. Now, we all know that a dove represents peace, I don't know if you also know that dove was a representation of Israel at the time. So it really shows that something was for all of Israel. But there's more than that. I want you to imagine if we released a dove to fly into this room and to land on my shoulder. And it's not, Chloe's getting her, we're not releasing a dove. I, she was like, please, no birds, no birds, no birds, no birds. Bird's the word, but we're not going to release a bird. Okay? So dove, fly in and land on my shoulder. Now, let me ask you this. I, I don't know if you know a lot of birdology. Um, I've been a, a long study of birdology for years and years. I'm a birdologist, if you didn't know that. But one thing about doves is they're skittish. They're skittish. If too much, too quick of a sudden movement, loud noise, they're gone. So... If the Lord chose to do this and to have the Holy Spirit come on Jesus like a dove, then there's an imagery that he wants us to learn. So just take a chance that maybe this is it. I'm not saying it is, but maybe this is it. If a dove landed on my shoulder right now and I wanted to walk over and say something to Tadal, okay, and the dove's on my shoulder, 
I have to take every step more aware of the dove than to Tadao. If I try to rush over there, it's gone. I literally, as I step down, I'm conscious of that dove. Every step that I take, I'm conscious of the atmosphere. I'm con- I literally am living with an awareness of the dove. If the dove represents the Holy Spirit, is it possible? I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is so easily, would f- so easily fly, but the image of, am I literally taking every step aware of His presence, aware of His Spirit? Some of us still pray driven by crisis rather than praying being led of the Spirit. We get surprised with the latest negative report. Oh, Jesus, come through now! Like he didn't know it was going to happen five years earlier. We need to develop the kind of walk with the Lord that even our prayers are Spirit-led. He might have you pray for something years in advance before you even see it. But we're being directed by the Spirit. Let me ask you this. If, if you had a dove on your shoulder, how would you go about the rest of the day? My objective is to keep this dove right here. I'll guarantee you, hey kids, settle down. Settle down. I'm not yelling at the guy that's, that's in front of me on the road that's a little freaked out by the blizzard. I'm not yelling. Because you're going to be aware. Let me just say this. I'll close with this. If you, if you really like it, and you amen it big, I will close. If you don't, we might go till 1, 1.30. Okay? But I, I promise you, if we, as followers of Christ, would work at being more aware of His Spirit in every moment, we will be less influenced by fear at any moment. Okay. Who was that? Who was Wow, Brian, okay, all right, so good to know you're alive, thank you, um, so he got it, He's, he, Brian's ready to go, I'm not saying that we have this perfectly, I, but I want to walk it out, I want to walk it out, so I'm, I'm going to throw one more verse on, even though I said this was the last one, Romans chapter 8, this is, this is, this is post-message discussion time, so don't count this against me. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. I've already spent enough time there. Anybody else? Fear already had enough of my life. 16 years old, sneaking up to a couch because I was afraid of the dark. Really? I, it's had enough. It, do, it doesn't get any more space. I, I'm not living in fear again. Rather, the spirit that I received brought me into adoption, and by him I cry, Abba, Dad, Daddy, Father. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The same spirit that descended and remained on Jesus is in you. And so when you walk into a room, you know the only thing that the spirit of fear needs to fear is what you're carrying. Amen. Amen. Uh, one more good amen. I'll let you go. Right, let's stand. Let's stand. We'll bless you guys.
Hey, can we make it practical? Now that you're standing, you know I always get two more minutes because it doesn't count once you're already standing. Somebody loves Jesus out there. That sounds like hours. Let's find out. No, 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 no. Anybody else? Is it? It's a while. Oh, that's not us. All right. Is it Matt? Hey, hey, hey. This is the house of God. Okay? No judgment. Mary took my time to preach. And Matt took my altar call. All right, I mean, the, Mitch, the Mitchells, come on up. Everybody give it up for the Mitchells. It's maybe, it's just, today was about the Mitchells. We didn't know, we love you guys, we celebrate you, okay, all right. I totally don't even know where I was going to go, so it doesn't even matter at this point, all right, it doesn't even matter. But when it, when it comes to fear in, in a practical sense, and I'm, I'm really going here because it, 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 it makes sense. God's calling us to help feed children that are starving. Fear will keep you from doing what he tells you to do. It'll keep me and, and, and Beth from doing what we're supposed to do. As a church, you know how many times as leaders, we're like, we don't even own our own building yet. Who cares? I'll guarantee you, if we put feeding the children before our own building, that I know we're 20 years into this. It's going to make the miracle even more fun. Okay? We're not going to get the glory. Worm Faith Chapel. <laughs> oh, little Faith Chapel. It's all about Him. So don't give in to fear when it comes to saying, Lord, what do you want me to do for, for convoy? Don't give in to fear when it comes to facing that person at work that's driving you a little crazy right now. Don't give in to fear when... Your children are battling sickness, and it would be very easy to let your mind go down a path that don't give in to fear. He is with us. God, I thank you that you're with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind. We're to be strong and courageous, not to be terrified or discouraged, for you're with us wherever we go. You said, don't be afraid. I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I thank you that you're with us. And we just say, live and dwell within our mind, within our thinking, within our heart, within our soul. I pray that every area of ourselves would be yours. And if there's anybody in this house today that as of yet, they just haven't said, Jesus, come and be my king. Cleanse me, wash me, make me new. I pray that today would be the day they would declare that to you. Cleanse me, Jesus. Make me new. Give me a new start in Christ. God, I thank you for how good you are. We don't even get it yet. And I pray that you'll help us to get it more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.